This may sound strange, but to crime scene investigators, there's something peaceful about working with the dead. No matter how a victim's life ended, they all have a story to tell. That is, if somebody is willing to listen. For more than 30 years, Howie Ryan has been that guy. Most of that time as a state police crime scene investigator. Today, he is a crime scene reconstruction consultant and expert witness and teacher of state-of-the-art forensic techniques to law enforcement agencies worldwide. He has worked scenes you wouldn't want to experience in your worst nightmare. This podcast series will pull back the sheet on what really happens in the world of forensic investigations. It's not like what you see on TV. So hold on tight as we take a walkthrough of some gruesome crime scenes and controversial cases, many of which are too brutal for most people to imagine, and sometimes even for the experts. Join Howard Ryan and his guest experts from around the world for a no-nonsense ringside seat as they take you Under the Yellow Tape. This episode of Under the Yellow Tape is brought to you by Sheepdog Java Coffee Company. The Sheepdog, the Sentinel, protecting the flock while it sleeps, keeping the wolves at bay. The Sheepdog never questions why, it simply does its job with honor and vigilance. The Sheepdogs in everyday life are your first responders. On the job 24-7, keeping watch while your family lives the American dream. The men and women of our armed forces, our nurses and firefighters, our paramedics, laboratory scientists, and of course, our police officers. These professionals work tirelessly day in and day out to keep your world safe, healthy, and whole. It's really not a job, it's a calling. Now we are honored to serve them. Introducing Sheepdog Java, we're more than just a coffee company. Sure, our specialty blends will help folks like you create the finest cup of coffee you've tasted. But what's even more special is that we're partnering with American Valor Foundation through the Chris Kyle Memorial Benefit to help fund training and professional development for first responders nationwide. We know training budgets are tight. Sheepdog Java will reinvest in your first responders helping fund and create training courses so they can operate at the highest level in order to keep you, your family, and your community safe. So join the pack. Try Sheepdog Java today in support of your first responders and enjoy each cup with peace of mind. For more information, check us out at sheepdogjava.com. Hey, welcome back to Under the Yellow Tape. I'm your host, Howie Ryan. Some of these cases... Uh, you know, you turn on the news every day and it seems to be just another story of, you know, misbehavior, violence, and, and, and killing. Today is no different. I want to talk about a case out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. And um, this is a young man by the name of Patrick Leoya. I'm Leoya. Um, he is a uh, 20-some-odd-year-old guy, and he is originally from the Republic of Congo, and he is now living in Grand Rapids, Michigan, came here in 2014. I want to talk to you about him. He was shot and killed the other day by the Grand Rapids police in an encounter with the police. And some of you are probably asking, why, why do you keep talking about these police-involved shootings? Well, one, it's getting a tremendous amount of press. Uh, and two, one of the big issues with it is why and, and how, how are the press portraying 
uh, what's going on here. How are they talking about it? And I want, I want to get into that because there's so many things about these shootings that are very similar and uh, we don't, we've almost become desensitized or, um, I don't know, institutionalized, if you will, as to hearing the same thing over and over and thinking that this is okay or this is normal or whatever. And it's really not. It's not normal. It shouldn't be this way. So this won't be a long, a long episode. I just want to touch on this case. I think it's it's worth listening to because not not necessarily me, but but I mean just the incident itself is something. I want to throw some things out there, like we do here at Under the Yellow Tape. I want you to think about it from the from the perspective of the investigator. Now, Grand Rapids Police Department was involved, and there was a, a shooting, and Mister Leoya was killed. How it all happened, I'm going to break down. And then um, it's important to know that the Michigan State Police, who are a very squared away organization, they are conducting an independent investigation into the matter. And I'm going to discuss that part too, which I think is is interesting. So um, Mr. Leoya is driving a motor vehicle and he gets pulled over by the Grand Rapids Police Department. The police officer that makes the stop had stopped him because the license plates that were displayed on the vehicle apparently did not come back to that vehicle. Okay. That's legit. That's a probable cause for a motor vehicle stop. Okay. The license plates that you display on a vehicle, this is important because this is one ingredient that led up to this, you know, the, the final event here. So Mr. Leoy is driving around a car with plates that come back to, I don't know, something else, but not the car he's driving. That's an issue. Can't do that. All right. He stopped. He immediately steps out of his vehicle. And uh, the officer tells him, get back in your car, stay in your car. And you can hear on the video, audio, audio and video, of the incident that he is telling him to stay in the car. He does not listen or does not obey what the officer is saying. When I say obey, people get pissed when you say that. Well, you know, obey. Are you giving me commands? Yeah. Yep. Yep. We're giving you commands. See, that's the thing. The guy with the lights on his car that go round and round and round, he's in charge. I know this pisses people off and they don't want to believe this and they don't want it to be this way, but it is this way. We are a nation of law and order. Okay, he stopped you for a reason. You have to do what they say within reason. Staying in your car is for your safety as well as his or hers or whoever the officer may be. But Leoya immediately disregards verbal instructions and verbal commands. He's resisting right from the beginning. He wants to know why he's being stopped. The officer asks him if he has his license. He says, yeah, for what? So it's immediately somewhat confrontational. Uh, he, he tells him to get back in the car. He does not do that. So as he walks up, they have a conversation. He asks him if he has a license. He uh, opened the door to speak, what looked like to speak to somebody inside. I don't know who. Um, and then he shut the door. And then Leoya starts to just walk away like, like I'm done with you. That's part two, 
Okay, that's two. Get in your car. He says no, or he just doesn't do it. He starts to walk away like, I, I'm done. No, that's not going to happen either. Okay? These things add up. Tensions escalate. The officer says, no, no, no. And you can actually hear the officer very, very clear. He says to him, no, no, no. At first he says, dude, get back in the car. No, he says, get back in the car, dude. I'm stopping you. And he started to tell him. And he says, do you have a license? Do you have a license? Leo, Leo says, for what? When he went to walk away, the officer says, no, no, no. Stop. Stop. Twice. Stop. Stop. You can hear him on the audio saying, stop. Two times. Stop means stop. It doesn't mean slow down. It means stop. He does not stop. The officer then puts his hand out and, 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 and uh, grabs him, I think, by the shoulder. Immediately upon that happening, Patrick Leoya is seen resisting, physically now resisting the officer, and begins to run away from him. Okay. We have a motor vehicle stop, which the um, Michigan State Police are going to look at. We have the verbal commands being ignored. We have a physical resisting, and now we have fleeing. He's, he, is, he is taking off. He's running away. Um, the officer chases after him. And it doesn't go very far. He, he goes around the back of the car and he catches him on the front lawn of, of one of the residences along where, where they were parked. And there is now a physical struggle. The officer has his taser out and as he's fleeing, at some point the officer deploys the taser, but I don't think he hit him with the, with the, the prongs from the taser. I don't think they, the leads didn't hit him. Okay. Mr. Leoya um, turns around and grabs the taser. Now, I don't know how to explain this any more simple than this. Police officers, male, female, doesn't matter. They have certain pieces of equipment on their person, on their body. A lot of more in kind of load-bearing uh, exterior vests now. A lot of the stuff is carried up in the vest. Some of the stuff is still carried around the waist on a gun belt or an equipment belt, let's say. We don't want to we'll be more woke, right? We don't want to offend anybody. Uh, I don't want to use the, the gun belt pronoun properly. We'll say the equipment belt. If you didn't already know this, you've, you've been probably asleep. You can't touch anything on them, okay? Anything on that belt, any of that equipment, anything on the police officer's person. You don't reach out and grab it. You just don't. Get it? I'll tell you why. Because most of it is, well, there's weapons. There's ammunition. There is magazines with other ammo in it. There's uh, different um, uh, pieces of equipment. There's spray, there's tasers, there's other things. They're not toys and they're not yours. They are given to the officer by the public, 
right? As a means of protection and a means of, of effectively doing their job. You can't touch that shit, folks. It's off limits. So when the officer's got a taser in his hand and you're, because you're running and resist physically resisting, okay, you've, you, Mr. Luyoya, you've escalated this. You, your decision to get in the car with license plates that didn't match started this, this meeting, this encounter. Your ignorance, ignorance in not listening to what the officer had to say escalated it another step. Your physical resisting escalated it yet again. Then your physical fleeing away from the officer escalated it further. Then when he grabbed you and you continue now to a little bit more violently resist, again, we're going up. You see the steps? The flight of, st the flight of stairs are going up. You know what's at the top of the steps? Death. If you keep going, it's not going to end well. And this guy was bounding up these steps of escalation. Because I'm going to break into what they talk about with the police after this. But he is pushing this envelope. I'm going to tell you what his lawyer, you're going to be shocked who his lawyer is. What he said too. But So he's continuing to escalate this thing. Here's something to consider. In the midst of all this news media and all this bullshit you're being told by the media and the way they frame it and the words they use, you are required as a lawful citizen in these United States to peacefully submit to a lawful arrest. That's it. Mic drop, right? You got to do that. You don't, have the, you don't have the legal option to physically resist. You don't. You just don't because it's not going to end well. So he grabs the taser on the body cam of the officer. You see as plain as day, Mr. Leo's hand come down and grab hold of that taser. Now they're fighting for that taser. Okay. They're going to make an issue out of the, the body cam eventually deactivated. You got to press the button on them. You got to hold them down. Listen, you're in a physical struggle. Could that have happened? Yeah. Michigan State Police will, will, will look into that, I guarantee. Um, but there's other angles. And it, other angles of the incident taken from, uh, there's one from a neighborhood uh, surveillance camera. There's one from a, um, I think somebody had a cell phone out there. Shocker. Um, but you hear the officer on the audio screaming, let go of the taser. Let go of the taser and on the front lawn of somebody's residence. That's not something a police officer should ever have to tell a law-abiding citizen. That's actually not something they ever do tell a law-abiding citizen. So before we even get to what ended up happening that everybody's making a big deal about, which I understand, we have to start talking about Mr. Leoya is not a law-abiding citizen at this point. Let that marinate for a minute. Now, 90 seconds go by and this physical tussle is going on. I don't know how many of you out there have never been in a fight, um, whether it's on the wrestling mat, uh, whether it's in a boxing ring, or whether it's on the side of the road for real for life and death, perhaps, where there are no rules by the bad guy to play by because they've already broken the rules. Because if they didn't break the rules, he wouldn't be in the fight, right? Make sense? Get it? 
Hmm? Yeah. If you didn't break the rules, you wouldn't be on the front lawn of somebody's house rolling around. So he did. Now, important. 90 seconds. It's a minute and a half. Go balls out in a fight for a minute and a half. A minute and a half doesn't sound like a long period of time. But when you're fighting for real, well, a minute and a half can be a long time. It can be exhausting. So it's longer than you think. So when you hear that, well, for 90, for 90 seconds, people say seconds, seconds. It's one, two, three. No, 90 seconds is a minute and a half. And when you're going balls out, it takes its toll on both people involved here, the good guy and, and the violator. Let go of the taser, okay? And roughly 90 seconds later, you can hear the officer yell again, let go of the taser. That's again, let go of the taser. Now, immediately followed by, and this is critically important in the reconstruction of this case and, and MSP, Michigan State Police is going to look at this. You hear him say, drop the taser. That's different. Let go of the taser a few times. That means we're fighting for the taser. From the investigator's standpoint, when that switches to drop the taser, to me, as an investigator, that would signify that Mr. Leoya now has control of the taser. And that's a big deal because that changes the rules. That changes what's about to happen. Okay. Um, now the fight's still on. It's not stopping. What ends up happening then is the officer goes for his weapon and he shoots him. Now, they're on the ground when he shoots him. They're still in the struggle when they shoot him. I, I find, I say that because there are um, some of the reports in some of the media, you know, CNN usually does its shitty job of, of bashing police. And um, one of the things that, you know, they say is he shot him in the head after the struggle. No, no, no. That was during the struggle. That's another very important component when you're looking at a reconstruction of a shooting event. It's not after the struggle. You make it sound like, okay, time out. We call time, you know, and we got up and then you shot him in the back of the head. That's not what happened. So why would you say that? It's not after a struggle. The struggle only ended because he got shot. It was still on. Full, full throttle. It was still going. So let go of the taser. Let go of the taser. Fight 90 seconds. Drop the taser. Remember that as this, as this news story unfolds. I'm not, I don't know what's going to happen or what else is going to come out of the investigation. I'm going with the early phase here and the usual crappy news reporting of, of what, what they're trying to say. Um, now, 
there is a, 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 a very clear camera angle of the shooting. And, and there are some comments about uh, it was disturbing. Yeah, folks, here's the deal. Shootings are disturbing. Police involved, police shootings, when they, when they interact with somebody and it ends up in a shooting, whether they're injured or, or, they're, or they were killed, these are disturbing things. So to say, well, that's a very disturbing video. I don't see, I've never seen one that's would be considered maybe not so disturbing. It's the shooting of another human being. There's just, you have to answer the questions as to the reason why it occurred. And the media doesn't seem to want to talk about Patrick Leoya and or Leoya and his behavior, his shitty behavior. You acted like a jerk off, Patrick. I'm sorry, dude. You did. Do what you're told when you're told. What would they have done to you in the, in, in the country that you came from, the Repu Republic of Congo, if you had done this to a police officer? They probably would have shot you right off the bat. You've been here long enough. You came here in 14. You get the gist of how things work here. This is a nation of law and order. You can't just do whatever the hell you want. And when the police do stop you and do confront you, you're, you're obligated as a citizen or citizen with a visa or shit, even an illegal alien, to do what you're told to do. Well, maybe not an illegal alien. That's all screwed up these days. So you hear the police officer repeatedly go, stop, 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 stop resisting. Let go of the taser multiple times and then drop the taser. All right. That escalation is going to be critical in their investigation as far as why this happened. And remember something, when you're dealing with a police officer involved shooting, the, the view that has to be taken is from the position of the reasonable police officer. If a reasonable officer in their belief believes that they are in threat of uh, death or serious bodily injury, they can use deadly force. So that's what they're going to measure it against. That's what they're going to go after. Um, the, the, the chief of police, I want to talk for a minute about the chief of police because a lot of times, man, when I get into these cases and you hear the chief of police talk, I beat them up a little bit because some of them are such, such ass kissers that you don't get a really good answer. Yeah, I'm going to say something that's going to shock you. So there's police chiefs out there have fucking no business being a chief of police. And there's some out there that are awesome. Um, this chief, I don't know much about the chief here. Um, but, uh, you know, the chief gave a pretty good statement. Pretty good statement. When asked by uh, CNN what police officers are trained to do in these situations, she said, typically the answer is that you're trying to place them in custody. You're trying to secure the individual. Right? And uh, Chief Winstrom came out and said, the follow-up question, I'm sure, will be the use of force in policy, meaning what is our policy on use of force? And he's, he's forecasting what the next question is. He's probably right. And I'm not going to comment on that, he said, uh, or, or Winstrom said. But the test is going to be whether, and this is really, this is where I know this chief has at least got the finger on the pulse. But the test is going to be whether in the view of a reasonable police officer, see, he knows the law, whether that deadly force was needed to prevent the death or great bodily harm to that officer. 
That's the question. The question isn't how the video looked. The question is that right there. So, uh, that, bravo to that chief because they kind of, at this point, I mean, I don't know what the guys on the PD think of him, but it seems like, you know, he, he answered those questions pretty well as far as the, um, you know, as far as the media goes. I want to just talk, <coughs> excuse me, a little bit about Mr. Leoya's family attorney. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Civil rights attorney Benjamin Crump, the ambulance chaser who runs around the country anywhere a mostly African-American person has some encounter with police and gets hurt or killed. He shows up like a little parasite ready to, ready to reap some civil, uh, civil money out of whatever happens here. And they say he's represented high. This is CNN. I love this. Well, I don't love this. Just shows how much they suck. He's represented high profile victims of police violence. It never says that he had, he represents potential suspects that commit violence against police. He never says that, does he? Nope. nope we don't need to do that. So um, that's unfortunate, but that's the way it goes. He, uh, that's what he's done. He's hired to represent the family. Now he has a great statement here, which I almost, I'm almost, almost chuckled out loud when I read it. And he, um, he's talking about Mr. Leoya. He says, the video clearly shows that this was an unnecessary, excessive, and fatal use of force against an unarmed black man. He's got to throw that in. An unarmed black man who was confused by the encounter and terrified for his life. He was confused. He created it. How the hell is he confused? What are you confused about? Guy asked if you had your license. And you escalated it. Let's go to the unarmed part. What's the taser? Considered being armed? Maybe? Maybe not? I don't know. Um, it could be. But now he's in control of it because you heard the thing drop the taser. So as we move forward and we talk about Benjamin Crump, it, the wording is important. Okay, I want to talk about the wording here in a minute. Benjamin Crump is a, listen, he's got a good business model. He knows that members of the inner city communities are going to constantly have run-ins with police. He knows that they're going to get hurt, locked up, maybe killed. And he's capitalizing on every single one of them. He is getting, he is a wealthy man. I guarantee. I don't know what his, I don't know what his financial statement reads, but I guarantee it's better than mine because he's just a man on a mission. But when you think um, what he says, especially when he when he talks about him being confused, he was confused. This this is a young man who was just he was confused by the whole thing. Really, I don't think you were. I think you drove the whole the whole issue, and um, and that's kind of what precipitated it and what what caused the escalation. Now. 
he's going on and on and on. He wants the officer's ID out, who has not been ID'd yet. Uh, he wants him fired and he wants him criminally charged. Same thing. He echoes the same shit in every one of these things. And I, I listen, I'm going to let me say this very clearly. I do not blame Benjamin Crump. I think he is what he is, but I don't blame him. Look, he's going to do his job. That's his job. He is a professional agitator uh, uh, hiding under the cloak of a civil rights attorney. And, um, and he is a, he's going for the money. And, and that's what he does. So really don't hold it against him. What I hold it against is the media. Because they're giving all kinds of play. Benjamin, guys like Benjamin Crump exist and succeed because the media will give them the play. They give them the microphone. They let him go, you know? So let me just go back to what he said. The video clearly shows, clearly, not shows, clearly. Wording matters, right? He's telling you, clearly, you're an idiot if you don't see it, right? I mean, come on, I'm, I'm Benjamin Crump. I'm telling you what it is. So this is what it is and you'll believe it or you're a dope. So it clearly shows that this was an unnecessary. He wouldn't know what necessary is. He's never done this. Excessive, I got to throw that in because that's the bing, 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 ching, ching. That's the dollar sign word. And fatal use of force. Again, listen to that. An unarmed, wrong, he's got the taser. Guy from a black man, not a man, not a human. Not human, not a white man, not anything else. It's a black man. I got to throw that in. He's got, he has to throw that in. This is Benjamin Crump's bread and butter. Who was confused by the encounter? What? Come on, man. Like Joe Biden says, come on, man. Right? He was not confused. But this is where he starts to lay the groundwork for the civil suits and everything later on. And it's... Well, you can say what you want. It's pretty brilliant. Um, now, some of the other people involved that that I find to be, oh, I don't know, amazing. Where was this? Mark Washington. Mark Washington is the Grand Rapids City Manager. He saw the video, I believe, before it was made public. Why? What's the city manager doing watch, looking at evidence? When I saw the video, it was painful to watch. I agree with you, Mark. It is painful to watch. I don't care who you are. These are not pleasant things to watch. So I, I agree, but that's not really what he said. He goes, and I immediately asked, what caused this to happen? And what more could have been done to prevent this from occurring? Well, Marky Mark, let me run something by you here, buddy. Let's take it. Let's break it down. There's two questions here. You asked two questions and let's address them both. What caused this to happen? Uh, Patrick acted like an asshole. How about that? And, a, and an unlawful one at that. Patrick took what was a routine traffic stop and escalated into a violent confrontation. Get it, Mark? Mark Washington, did you understand that? This was Patrick's fault. That's how that happened. Second part of your question is, what more could have been done to prevent this from occurring? Well, the answer is, Patrick could have behaved. 
maybe mommy and daddy could have raised them to be more respectful to people in general and especially law and order. We can never get away from the fact that his actions cause this to escalate. And I love when they throw around, we need to teach police more about de-escalation. I'm not opposed to that. I don't, want, I don't want you to misunderstand me here. I'm not opposed to it. However, if we're going to teach them about de-escalation, let's, let's at least talk about what escalated. Who escalated? I'm not saying the police have never escalated anything. But in this particular case, that did not happen at all. Mr. Leoya escalated. Leoya. Um, and that's not debatable. He is the cause of it. So what could have what could have been done to prevent it? He could have freaking behaved, man. I mean, you're asking questions to look like you're empathetic, you have empathy, and you're you know, oh god, oh my god, this is terrible. What could have happened? What could have happened? Well, if he didn't act like an asshole, he, he'd probably be alive today. If he, I'll tell you what, I'm gonna you know what I'm gonna tell you what would happen if they were fictitious plates. He would have gotten written a motor vehicle summons, right? Uh, just a motor vehicle summons, nothing criminal. Uh, the car probably would have been towed if it, you know, because I'm thinking once they unroll everything else, it's probably unregistered, uninsured, and all that other crap. Otherwise, you'd have plates on the car. They probably would have hooked the car and he would have got a ticket. They probably would have maybe found out that maybe his license was suspended or something like that. Who knows? It's all, but all of that's motor vehicle. All of that's motor vehicle related. Why do you want to turn this into something deadly? Oh, that's right. Mr. Crump said he was confused by the encounter. Well, I don't believe that. So, Mr. Washington, that's, that answers your question. I'd like, to, uh, I'd like to put that part to bed. It, um, you know, they, they talk about in the city of Grand Rapids, uh, uh, been, you know, this case exposed longstanding tensions between Grand Rapids people and and the PD. And um, I think it's, it's kind of interesting how the community is even broken up on this. So let me, uh, um, somewhere in one of these, uh, no, it's like, here, here's the thing. Longstanding tensions. City data, and this is from, what's that other pillar of journalistic professionalism? Oh, the New York Times, the gray lady. She died a long time ago, but it's always good to read because this is what's driving some of the idiots in this country. All right. So city data, according to New York Times, city data from 2020 showed that black residents who responded to a survey said they had less, tr less trust in the Grand Rapids poli police than their white and Hispanic neighbors did. Okay. Now... That can be taken a number of different ways. What the New York Times, I believe, is trying to convey here is that the black community is being treated differently than anybody else. I think that's what they're trying to say. But if you read this a different way here, um, they're, they're less happy about the treatment by police than, the, than whites and Hispanics. Why? Why do you think that is? Is it because the crime level in certain communities is way higher than others? which when that occurs brings a larger scale police interaction and, and enforcement, maybe, maybe that's the reason why. I don't know. You decide for yourself. I, find that, I found that one interesting though. 
Um, Clee, Clay, CLE, Jackson, the president of the Greater Grand Rapids NAACP, said in a news conference after the video was released, we've constantly, constantly been talking about the harassment and the brutality that's done right here. Well, Clay, I didn't see any harassment here. Um, um, as far as brutality, I know what you're saying, the act of violence of the shooting. You're going to call it police violence. Um, I guess one of the real reasons I wanted to talk about this case is it drives one narrative and one narrative only that this community is being persecuted, that they're constantly being targeted. And all of the news accounts talk about police, 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 the behavior of police. Not one of them, not one news agency talking about what a shitty behavior Mr. Leo had. Not one. How do you leave, how do you just leave it out? I mean, how? If, if you are even remotely respectable as a journalist, wouldn't you bring up the encounter as a whole? And the whole is, okay, you're only talking about the police uh, action. You're not talking about the action that caused the police action. Most of the time in law enforcement, the police, most of the time, the police, the actions of the police are a reaction to something else. Most of the time, not all, but most of the time it's a re they're reactionary. They're reacting to something that went on in public, a crime that had already occurred or a crime that's in progress or a crime that's about to happen. They're trying to stop it. So everything is reacting to something else. This officer whose name I do not know is reacting. It doesn't look pretty. Nope. They never do ever. So what's going to happen now? I want to talk about that real quick and we'll wrap it up. Michigan State Police are going to do the investigation. Police are going to do the investigation. These are investigators. These are people that actually do this for a living. District attorneys don't do this for a living. And if they do, they shouldn't be. Because they're going to have to make the decision. They're going to have to be the objective review of the investigation and potentially make a decision on charges, no charges. And if there are, then they have to prosecute. And if they're not, they're going to have to justify why no charges. But the way you do that is you have an investigating body do their job and then present it to the, to the uh, objective uh, you know, district attorney or county prosecutor or whatever it may be. When you have prosecutors actively involved in the investigation, it is riddled with investigative bias. And at that point, how can they make a fair and unbiased subjective decision. So what they're doing is they're, you know, they're being kept, I'm sure, apprised of everything. I believe it's Kent County. Um, and Michigan State Police is going to conduct this investigation. They're going to take their time. Now, there's a couple things that are going to have to happen. And I want to share them with you because I think they're important. All right. Michigan State Police said once the investigation is completed, the evidence will be turned over to the county prosecutor who will decide on charges or no charges. Now, Kent County Prosecuting Attorney Christopher Becker, he asked for the patience of the public. Let this happen. These things don't happen overnight and they're not spectator sports. 
Um, the Michigan State Police Independent Investigation. This is the prosecutor speaking. This is very important. I think this is a very good statement. The Michigan State Police's independent investigation into the incident is not complete yet. This is an extremely critical incident and one that everyone involved in the investigation is taking very seriously. While the videos released today are an important piece of evidence, they are not all of the evidence. By law, we are required to review all available evidence before we consider whether charges should be filed, and if so, what appropriate charges would be, he said. That's a good statement. And what I really like about that statement is, he said, they're independent investigation. They're doing it. He's leaving it to the investigators, right? He's staying out of that. It's a very critical incident. He's saying, while the videos released today are an important piece of evidence, that's the ones that, that the chief released to the public. He was asked not to do that until MSP's investigation was done, but he felt in um, the interest of public safety, maybe a little bit of uh, preserving, civil, you know, preventing civil unrest, he was going to put it out. I don't disagree with his decision. I also understand why the other side asked for it to uh, hold off. Um, now, as far as the autopsy, death certificate with the cause and manner of uh, the death has been prepared. It's going to say homicide. He's, he's killed. It is considered a homicide. Everybody hears that word homicide and they go, oh my God, it's a crime. Well, it, it, homicide is a crime, but there is justifiable homicides and this may fall into that category depending on what they find. So it's been prepared, but will not be completed until the toxicology and tissue test results have been received from the contracted laboratory. They're doing their due diligence. Whatever their outcome is, as far as what we know so far only in the media, we can't really say that they haven't said all the right things here. Um, the full autopsy report, which will be done once toxicology and the tissue results are done, um, will not be public available, available until state police conclude their investigation as is standard operating procedure. So this isn't the first police shooting in the state of Michigan. They've had them before. Uh, I know news journalists want every case to be the most important one at that moment. And to them, they are for that moment until something else happens tomorrow and their attention span is, or their attention is drawn away. So that's something to consider. Even, even the, I don't know how you would describe her, the uh, embattled, uh, controversial governor, the one that was uh, the target of the so-called kidnapping attempt, which didn't go well. Um, she gave a statement, a statement, Gretchen Whitmer expressed sympathy to the family, which is, you know, she's a politician. That's what she's got to do. She asked for any protest to be peaceful. Good move, right? But she said, the Michigan State Police will conduct, to conduct a transparent, independent investigation of the shooting, said Ms. Whitner, a Democrat and former prosecutor. Then, prosecutors must consider all the evidence, follow the law, and take appropriate actions on charges. Justice um, is foundational to safety, and without justice, we are all less safe. That's an excellent statement, actually. I got to give her credit. Uh, I know there's been some very, uh, probably, di you know, disparaging things said about her in the press, and maybe some of it's earned. I don't live there, so I don't know. But uh, nevertheless, that was a good statement. So 
as this moves forward, what I what I would hope people would do is look at the totality of all of the evidence once it's presented and understand that the view of this from a legal standpoint has to be from the position of a reasonable police officer involved. Not from what you in your reclining chair with your bag of Cheetos thinks at home. It ha- you have to, the, the, the law was written that way for a reason. Because a reasonable, we're hoping a reasonable person made a decision in the real time in the position that they were in, meaning that officer, whether whether we find it to be unjustified or justified. That's that's why this is done this way. I I, I as far as crime scenes go, like you know, it seems like we end up talking about a lot of these shootings. But I want to I want to explain to you why that is. It's because the media is destroying objectivity. Absolutely have abandoned it. So who else is going to talk about it from, from the perspective of an investigator? I try to give you, you know, an objective view of how it's going to go or, or what they're going to do. I can't tell you what the decision of the prosecutor is going to be or, or what the results of their investigation are going to be. All I can do is tell you, look, this is how they're going to look at it. And this is some of the things they're going to look at. And, and that is how we have to do this. So as we move forward, unfortunately there will be more of these and we'll talk about them as they come. And we try to break them down so that reasonable people, in other words, people are going to take their political biases out of the equation or any other bias they have and put it on a shelf and say, look, man, how would you look at this if this was the law? And this is the law. This is what we're going to talk about, how we have to view it. And if we put it in the right perspective and we can give it to you um, with some objectivity, you tend, you, when I say you, me, everybody, we tend to make a better decision. If we're fed rhetoric and um, you know, vitriolic hatred and and slander and cynicism and all this other shit that comes on in the media. Well, we're we're led to believe something. We're we're being led like sheep. That's why we call it the sheeple, the sheeple of the United States. We have to stop being that, and we have to start looking at it objectively. And the way we really do that for us is listen, just listen, listen to the facts. Everybody here. That's probably listening to this. I'm, I guarantee is is smart enough to to make their own decision if they're given the right information and the right set of uh, data to enable them to make a better decision. So, as usual, here uh, and under the yellow tape, I'm not here to change your mind at all. Uh, I'm just here to try to help you open your mind and look at it from a different perspective, uh, the perspective of somebody who like these folks in Michigan State Police are paid to paid professionals that are are put in place to weed through all of the the information and see what they come up with. So um I hope you got something out of this. We'll be following up on it maybe because this case isn't over. We'll see what happens, but um we just uh again want to open your mind, all right? Well, thank you for listening and um we'll talk soon.